and welcome. This is another edition of the Theory of Chance podcast. Episode 3 coming at you. I'm your host, Chance Collins, alongside my co-host, Mr. Brandon McKinney. We are in here again, bringing you some sports talk, a little pop culture, a little bit of headlines, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Had some NCAA upsets. We've got a crazy owner talking about some absurdness. We got a old crony said some comments he probably shouldn't have said. Also, a tribute this episode right here to Fife Dog of a tribe called Quest. Fife Dog lost his life today at 45. R.I.P. Fife Dog. Going to be playing a little tribe called Quest during this episode a little bit. I'd like to welcome everybody and thank you for listening to a Theory of Chance podcast brought to you by everybodyisafan.com. What's up, Brent? Doing all right. How about yourself tonight? Man, I'm doing lovely. Like it is hear. another Wednesday night. We like to bring them to you Wednesday night, you know, late over in the night, Thursday morning, and also on Fridays. And let's go ahead and get to the business. We had the NCAA men's basketball tournament. We left off breaking that down in the last segment. We had some upsets from the tournament on Saturday and Sunday, some buzzer beaters, all that good stuff. Buzzer beaters, 33 seconders. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so speaking of 33 seconds, go ahead and get to that. Texas A&M and Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa simply collapsed with 44 seconds to go with a 12-point lead. They had a 99.99% chance to win that game. Just to let you guys know, that means Texas A&M had a 0-0% chance to win that game. What do you think about that, man? This is crazy. That's what the tournament's about, March Madness. It is. Watching the highlights, it kind of hurt me because you dominated this team. They were the favorite coming out from the SEC. You were up by 12 points with under a minute to go. All you have to do is just take a foul. Just take a foul, get the ball. Which I can't even hate on uh, Northern Iowa because they even made it a five-point game and went to a three-point game. They tried. Yeah, they tried. Uh, like, but some big collapses at the end. You know, just a team breaking down overall. Their uh, leading, their leading scorer, I believe, and their most revered guy from the tournament, Jerry Washburn. Uh, big turnover late. Uh, with like 10 sec- 14 seconds to go and he tries to throw it off a Texas A&M defender and they move out the way get the ball and Jesus. then make the layup to send it to <laughs> overtime and Texas A&M did win that game in double overtime sad sad time for Northern Iowa a lot of people will remember when they beat Kansas a couple years ago but a lot of people on that campus are going to remember this collapse and it's going to hurt for a long time it hurt me just watching it yeah it was definitely I feel bad for him feel bad uh, for other notable kids. games Kansas obviously took care of business versus UConn Maryland beats Hawaii man it's the Sweet 16 we we also have uh, Miami took care of business as well. And uh, a lot of people were, you know, kind of surprised with how Miami played. You know, they had Wichita State. They're up 21 points. Let them come back. But overall, they did it. And, I mean, I guess going forward, what do you think the tournament has taught us so far? And then we'll break down the matchups. Most of the tournament bracket, it seems like it's all chalk across the board. You have one surprise with Gonzaga versus Syracuse, 10 seed versus 11 seed. But everything else just seems to line up. You have Notre Dame, Wisconsin, 6 and 7 seed, but it's 1 versus 4, 1 versus 5 twice. And you also have 2 versus 3, 2 versus 3, 1 versus 4 with Oregon and Duke. It just looks like all chalk right now. Yeah, it's all chalk right now. Uh, we got North Carolina about to take on Indiana. And that's coming out of East Ranger. 1 versus 5. Indiana took care of business versus Kentucky. I actually thought that Kentucky would take that. I really didn't believe in Tom Crane. Don't really like him still. But they took care of business and proved a lot of critics wrong, including myself. As me and as well. How do you feel about them taking on North Carolina? North Carolina has a, what's his name, Bryce uh, Bryce Johnson. 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 Bryce Johnson. Yeah, double-double machine. That guy's pretty bad. Um, so who's your favorite in this? Right now, I would have to say UNC 
I'm going to make a prediction that all the top uh, one seeds are going to make it all the way through. It'll be the second time in history that it'll happen. Happened last time in 2008. I feel like UNC is going to take it on Indiana. I'm the exact same way where I picked Kentucky and my other bracket to go to the championship. Right now, I don't like Tom Green either, but that's just me being bitter. So, apparently, saying these number ones are all going to make it. So, you got Kansas beating Maryland, obviously. Mar- uh, Mellow Trimble. That's who Maryland will look to go to uh, once a player of the year candidate. A lot of people think he has slipped. Obviously, he's probably still not in the race anymore. I don't, I don't believe. But he is out. Kansas has a tough team. Kansas and looks really good there. The overall Maryland, uh, Maryland doesn't win close games. I'm pretty sure they've lost like three of the last five. So I saw we were talking about that on my radio show. Monday. I'm pretty sure they lost three out of five or three out of six when it's come down to single digit like ball games. So if they do have a chance to even win the game, that means it'll be close. And they don't fare very well in close games whenever it's, it comes down to the wire. They're not a very clutch team lately. And I'd like Kansas' dominance. Uh, number one team. They look like it throughout the tournament and they've only uh they haven't lost since january 25th so that's what you're saying bill self Pretty always good. has his team ready so i like kansas in that i like your pick on that but when you look at oregon versus duke i kind of like the dukies uh oregon we all don't know a lot about them over here on our side because we're on the east coast so we don't stay up that late for those games the east coast bias but at the same time i like coach k in the tournament i like him take his guys to the lead eight why are you so Confident that Oregon's going to be able to take this. And, you know, you got Coach K with a lot of experience. They also got uh, Grayson Allen, Brandon Ingram. But tell me why, you, why you're kind of contingent on Oregon. I feel like Oregon is going to surprise a lot of people. I don't know a lot about them myself personally. Yeah. But I feel like... Well, they're tall. They have a lot of they have a lot of size down low. Mm-hmm. Very athletic team. And they have... Uh, they spread out defenses. And they try to isolate mismatches and attack off the dribble. And that's a strategy that may force Mike Crochet to actually go to a zone which he normally really doesn't go to because they like to play a lot of man-to-man so I like it I mean I can see where you're talking about that but the big advantage that Duke has is you know who's gonna stop Brandon Ingram that's the thing and he's gonna have to be dominant for Duke to win though true true I just feel like Oregon's gonna take it I'm just gonna make an <laughs> upset pick that's your upset pick all right then you got Virginia feeling. you got Virginia versus Iowa State one versus four uh, I do like Virginia in this because like Iowa State uh, they shoot very well from behind three but at the same time, when they played Butler, uh, I mean, uh, he, their uh, best scorer, George Niang, uh, he switched on to, uh, excuse me, he, 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 I don't even know if he may be, he actually may be out this next game. But he was, uh, they had trouble getting defended, but defending uh, players in Butler, excuse me. So I, I don't know if I like them versus Virginia. Virginia plays very strong defense, up and down type of tempo, and they're a strong team. But Iowa State scores a lot, and they want to they wanna outscore their opponents as well. So this would be a very good game because it's kind of, you know, you got the the strong defensive team versus the team that wants to run a lot. So who's your pick in this one? You said Virginia I'll as well. Virginia still? as well. Staying with those number ones. Malcolm Brogdon, he's a Naismith finalist, and he went off in the second half. Yeah, that's true. That dude's Butler. got a lot of game. Uh, then we look at Villanova versus Miami. This is the matchup that I really like a lot. I think this might be one of the best games in the Sweet 16. Villanova haven't hasn't been to the Sweet 16 since 2009. They proved a lot of doubters wrong. They actually came up and they did what they had to do and they made the Swiss team. Now they're playing a strong Miami team, you know, who is led by Angel Rodriguez, who's very good, but sometimes he does go on a cold streak. Who do you like in this game? I'm going to go with Villanova, and that's because I know the coach. Not personally. Jay Wright? Yeah, I know Jay Wright. They've had a little bit of ups and downs over the last couple of years of the season. Oh, Jay I even said that in the podcast the last episode. I'm not the biggest fan of Villanova. But they look good this past weekend. I think they're going to take it against Miami. Oh, yeah. 
cannot kick it. Jay Wright can definitely kick it. I like Jay Wright in this. Uh, tribute to Life Dog right there, Tribe Called Quest. I like him. I like his experience. I actually like them to make it to the Final Four. And I actually think Villanova can take out Kansas and make that championship game. And, uh, well, excuse me, they'll be play, they play Kansas, Kansas in the Elite Eight. And I think that they can take out Oklahoma is who I would have them playing in the Final Four, and they would play in the championship game. But I'll go ahead and switch it over to Oklahoma versus Texas A&M. Two versus three matchup. Oklahoma, man. Buddy Hill. That's all you can say. He came out. He couldn't really get it going in his last game, and then he shot, and he scored 29 in the second half. I mean, Probably going to be the winner of the Naismith Award. Yeah, Buddy Hill. I mean, he's just been pretty dominant. Uh, ben Simmons you said ben Simmons is out of the run, right? He's out. And he's going to the draft, so he's not really worried about that. But yeah, Buddy, Buddy Mamba. The Bahama Mamba. That's what I like to call him. I don't know if anybody's trademarked that yet. I've been calling him that a couple times now. I'm going to have to go ahead and send him an email, tell him he needs to ride that out, make some t-shirts, send me some money. But the Mahama Mamba, uh, I like him, man. But the appeal of this matchup, man, you got Buddy Hield, the most lethal score. He torched Cal State Bakersfield, 26, and then erupted for 36 against VCU. That was, just, that was the one I was talking about. He put up 29 in the second half. But Texas A&M is pretty strong down low. All right, and but opponents shoot 40% against Texas A&M behind the arc, and this number has been increasing in the tournament. I feel like with Northern Iowa showing a blueprint of how to beat Texas A&M, because let's be honest, it shouldn't be Texas A&M. More power to only one, two overtimes after bringing it back down 12 points. I think the coaching for Oklahoma, he'll figure out the way to do it for Texas A&M and beat them going to the Elite Eight. Ooh, picking Texas A&M. Oklahoma versus Oregon, on my side at least. Oh, so you so you're taking so you're saying Oklahoma's gonna get past Texas A&M? Oh yeah, they're gonna oh, get okay, past. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Excuse I'm me. saying Texas A&M like Oklahoma has a blueprint now how to beat them. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, Texas A&M's the one thing doesn't really show, bode well for them. They were getting beat by Northern Iowa, so people do know they do have that under their resume and that doesn't look well when you were the SEC favorite and you have such a high seed in Northern Iowa had you on the ropes but they just couldn't let him off the hook we let him off the hook why we got Syracuse (laughs) Syracuse net zone defense taking on Gonzaga 10 versus 11 a lot of people didn't think that Jim Beheim was supposed to be in this anyways but he did in that zone defense and Syracuse has actually been one of the hottest teams in the tournament how do you feel about Syracuse and Jim Beheim's team taking on Mark Few and Gonzaga not to shoot my horn or anything but both my brackets I picked Gonzaga go to the Sweet 16 it's, it's just it's just what they do my whole bracket and they're destroyed, probably the slight favorite it's what they do I'm gonna go with Jim Beheim though once again it's just all because about the coaching he has the experience Gonzaga's been there before but Syracuse they've actually won titles I'm actually gonna go with I'm gonna go against you which we, I think I have been on, we've won against each other every one almost except for Oklahoma uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Arvidas Sabonis and company his little boy <laughs> you remember him I do remember yeah, Blazers DeMontis Sabonis and Kyle Whitler. Whittier. Whittier, I'm sorry. I'm probably saying that wrong. The front court tandem. Uh, Those guys are good. And Sabonis, 6'11", is a menace. He is a beast on the glass, just like his daddy was back in Portland. So I'm going to go with that big dude, because he knows what he's doing. Then you got Notre Dame taking on Wisconsin. Notre Dame got a buzzer beater win. (laughs) Lucky. Tip in against Stephen F. Skills, Austin. Maybe. Ended that Cinderella run. They got and it. And you got Wisconsin also getting in on Bronson Koenig's three-pointers. The last one being a fall-away buzzer beater that helped the Badgers edge 
Xavier. Xavier. So, what do you think about this game, man? I don't. I really don't know about this game. I feel it's like a pick me game. I feel like I might go with. I'm just bitter because my bracket's broken. But I'm gonna go with Notre Dame. I'll say Notre Dame's gonna take it. <laughs> You're going with Notre Dame. Uh, I don't know about this one, man. I think it's a it's a pick 'em game too. But I'm actually gonna go with Wisconsin just because they've been there before. Uh, I like Notre Dame though, and their coach uh, Mike Bray. Mike Bray. That's his name. Mike Bray. Uh, yeah, I like I like their makeup, and I, I think they have a very talented team. But I think that even without Bo Ryan, Wisconsin's gonna find a way to make it to the Elite Eight. They're they're hot right now, just like they were hot in the tournament last year. So I'm gonna go ahead and go with them. All right, now like after we've you know predictions, here's a look at ESPN's reporter Byron Matkiff reseeding. All the teams in the Sweet 16 now. He has number one is Carolina, and he reseeds them as the top overall seed. And now he has Kansas as number two, followed by Virginia three, four being Villanova, five Oregon, six Oklahoma, seven Indiana. Or actually, excuse me, reseed, yeah, North Carolina, reseed one. Yeah, no, that's how you got. Yeah, excuse me, seven Indiana, eight Gonzaga, and then nine, got Ohio State. Iowa State, they were a four. So Syracuse 10, and he actually has them reseeded at a three. And then Miami stays at theirs. Duke stays, but Texas A&M also stays at their seed. So what do you think about that reseeding? You think North Carolina's proved itself to be the number one overall team ahead of Kansas? A lot of people have thought at first that Kansas was, but Carolina is hot. I feel like with North Carolina being the number one seed, I feel like it's because of the opponents they're going to have to face to get there. Kansas still has the number two and three seed on their side with Villanova and Miami, respectively. But I feel like with North Carolina having Indiana, Notre Dame, and Wisconsin, it might be an easier path to get there. Because I feel like Villanova might give Kansas a little bit of trouble, even though I think Kansas will win the game. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, feel. I know what you're saying right there. I think it is about their road to the to the championship game, and also how they how they play inconsistent. Uh, North Carolina has like the best team in the tournament right now, and if I had to put money on it right now, I would say that they're going to win the tournament, and that it will be you know it's it's them now, and then you know Kansas's number two seed really wasn't the overall number one, and then you got to give other teams like Miami credit for looking a whole lot stronger. Also Gonzaga, they wouldn't be a number eleven seed either. Yeah, they kind of might have been seeded a little bit. Oh, yeah. They dominated Utah. But uh, switching stories, I mean, I guess predictions going forward. I'm going with, um, I like to see Villanova take it all against North Carolina. It's going to be a tough matchup for them, though. That's who I'm going to take. And for your championship? I'm going to have to go with Kansas versus, I'll say North Carolina. And I'll say Kansas will take it over North Carolina. versus North Carolina. I like that. Got a... Not bad, not bad. I still like Roy Williams facing his old team in the championship. Yeah, that'll be a lot of drama, man. That'll be a lot of drama. All right, next up, we're going to switch to some news. A little uh, keep it on the down low stuff going on. It's been a little news out of Memphis. Memphis basketball coach Josh Pastner and athletic director Tom Bowen allegedly, allegedly shared an agent. And what I want to ask you, my Tall, light-skinned brother, co-host, Mr. Brandon McKinney. He's a tall guy. I just want to let you guys know that. All you ladies out there might be like, oh, he, got, he kind of sounds kind of cute. The dude's 6'7". What are you weighing now? About what, 200? Hitting, hitting the weights. Close, hitting the weights. Getting close. That dude trying to get swole. Tall, dark, maybe handsome. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so what do you think about an athletic director possibly having the same agency represent him Priorly, prior, previously, and the fact that uh, 
Now, that was the same agency that the head coach, Josh Pastner, uh, is now, you know, that's who represents him. And it, this was like, you know, when they negotiated a contract. So, yeah, it's possible that this Pastner hasn't had great seasons the last two seasons. Let's go, ahead, let's go ahead and get to the gist of the story. The gist of the story is this dude came on the scene in 2013. Boom. Young dude. Doing well. Killing it. Memphis. They was sad. John Calipari left him for Kentucky. They got this young dude. He kind of looked like Calipari. He got some dark hair. He, he a young dude. He got a little swag to him. He come up in there, and he like, bam. They going to the tournament. They doing things. They like, dang, we want to keep this dude because he got offered a, a contract by Power 5 to go and leave Memphis. So he's like, we want to keep this dude. They signed him to an extension, and this dude got a buyout of $10.6 million. Yeah. And he's had some lackluster seasons the last two seasons. When And maybe not this past season, but the season before, they actually had some nice nice talent and they should have done some damage and they just collapsed in their conference tournament didn't do well i don't think they made the tournament either at all they might have made it last season got bumped out quickly we might have to look at that but i don't think they made it the last two seasons but fast forward these dudes might have been what was the agency that, that was representing them it's next like, level sports next level sports and they used to represent tom bowen before but when he got hired on to memphis's ad but then all of a sudden they don't represent him anymore but now they're representing Pastner, who, you know, the AD chose to hire his basketball coach. And also, even though he says they do not represent they have any, no ties anymore, he's still doing, he's speaking around at different banquets and, mm-hmm. you know, he's a guest speaker at different events, but he says he's not getting paid. How does that move going forward if you're the president of the University of Memphis? And this is possibly, I think it's being going to be investigated by Tennessee Board of Regents. And this is pretty, you know, it's pretty bad because they're actually in a position where they, in normal, in normal situations, He'd probably get fired. His buyout is way too way too expensive. What do you think about that? He was about to be fired, and they announced a couple of days ago that he's going to stay with the team. Now it came out that he was represented by Next Level Sports, and that the buyout of 10.6 million would take place if he was fired. It does come across as suspicious. Uh, Reading here, it says his ties to Next Level did not influence his handling of the pastor's contract, which includes a buyout clause that would pay the coach. His $2.65 million annual salary and monthly installments. Until 2020. 2020 if he was fired. So this dude get fired. He's going to be sitting at home. Excuse me, let me get back up to the mic. This is getting serious. If this dude, if this dude gets fired, he's going to be sitting at home cashing these checks, getting these dollars. And Memphis fans, if he gets fired, that's why he's not going to get fired. So you guys might have to just stick with mediocrity four years. for four <laughs> more years because of some dealings behind closed doors that we don't know might have been some shady stuff going on i've never heard of this before now i haven't before so this is kind of fishy to me it, it's smart i'm not gonna lie because you're like it's friends with somebody also thinking if i'm if i'm passing her and they maybe want to fire me i can go to dude and be like what you gonna do I'm, a, I'm about to blow this out the water, homeboy. <laughs> Want me to tell everybody what's going on? You made this happen. You did this. Look at me. Look at me. I am the captain now. And that's all I got to say about that. And that's our NCAA update after that, man. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy, man. Here we go, no. Here we go, yo. Hey, next up, we're going to talk about the Major League Baseball happenings this week. We had a game in Cuba. 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 The impact of the MLB, man. The game in Cuba on Tuesday, man. What would you think about that? Versus Tampa players. Bay Rays. Yeah, versus Tampa Bay. Uh, Cubans are fighting to have to not defect from Cuban nationality in order to play baseball in the United States. Still a proposal underway, but Congress can ultimately still got to sign off on that. But the POTUS, Mr. Barack Obama, was in attendance, President of the United States, and actually wrote an article on ESPN about his visit he actually took his daughter there and he actually 
took uh, Michelle and his two daughters, and here's what he had to say actually about the fact of going to Cuba and the impact of baseball in in Cuba. One of the things we share is our national pastimes. La Pelota, as the quote from Field of Dreams goes, the one constant through all the years has been baseball. That's as true in America as it is in Cuba. Whether, whether it's the middle of an Iowa cornfield or the neighborhoods of Havana, our landscapes are dotted with baseball diamonds. Our kids grow up learning to run the bases and count balls and strikes. And many of our greatest baseball players have taken the field together. End quote. Mr. Perez, Mr. President Barack Obama. I like that, man. I mean, like... It was nice. Yeah, his article was, was really nice. good. You should go check that out on ESPN.com. Um, I mean, I was really... I was really excited about the game being played there. But, I mean, I, I gotta be honest, it doesn't impact us as much. It doesn't. Especially not being of a Cuban nationality or, his, or you know, Latino. And also just not being close proximity, living in Florida or anything, being around a lot of uh, Cubans or Hispanics and Latinos. Because, you know, that that's what a lot, you know, that's their culture down there in Florida. And also, you know, it's big. A lot of people, even Dan Labatard was talking about um this is big, but it's not going to be big until it actually resolves some issues within the Cuban government, because there's still families uh, suffering. Talking about the past, uh, human exiled. rights violations, yeah, the human rights and being exiled and in prison, and this thing goes on. And just switching gears on that, there was actually wasn't there. There was a protest, right? <laughs> protest during Mr. Bob Lee's yeah, interview on Sports Center. Yeah, that was on uh, ESPN.com and on SportsCenter. Uh, it was after the game. Bob Lee was doing a live shoot uh, post-game, and he was talking about, you know, the reaction and the game and everything, you know, just the impact. And then a guy comes up, and he starts throwing pamphlets in the air, and, you know, he's speaking, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Cuban National Police, they do not play they undercover. Boom, quick, got him. What does it mean to – what I mean, what do you think about, like, this? Is this – how big is this for baseball and for – Latin American players trying to safely get to the United States, play baseball because they're making like sometimes forty dollars or two hundred dollars a month to play baseball over in their Cuban unions, and they can come over here obviously make thousands and millions of dollars depending on their talent level. And this is a step, right? It's gotta it, be a step. It's a step for them. It's great for them. I feel like the deal between USA and Cuba is a great thing. It's a little political with the president seeing. Uh, What's my man's name in Cuba? Uh, what are you talking about? The main guy, Fidel Castro. Oh, Fidel, yeah, yeah Fidel Castro. He's son now, right? Because he's... Raul Castro? Yeah, because Fidel's yeah. pretty sick, right? Or is he dead? I don't think he's dead, but he's, he's a little sick, bit yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's the son. But it's good for them. It was political for the president to watch the game because it's just a spring exhibition game. It has no real meaning outside of... Yeah, it was just big for the United States to recognize the progression True, true. And like you said, just trying to make a step. And then, and Congress and MLB are trying to resolve the issue with players having to, you know, the They struggle. should be able to come over. It yeah, shouldn't exactly. be so hard. It should. Like you say, sports is something that we all thrive on. We love the raw emotion. And it should be, it should be, hey, if they can play, they should come over here and play. You know, I like it. People like Yasiel Puig had a tough journey just to get over to the uh, MLB. And then the guys who paved the way for him, LeVon Hernandez, Orlando Hernandez, the pitchers, you know, mm-hmm. the guys who really had the uh, tough journey in the 90s. So hopefully that one day we will get to see that Latin Americans players will be able to come over here and not have to risk uh, imprisonment of their families 
or even worse from political you know like persecution by the government and stuff and real quick i just want to say like everybody should check out the bobbly interview nothing gets him i'm glad he wasn't hurt or anything by the protester but like it's funny because he came up he started protesting and bob lee he actually had to be professional and he was you see when he tried to try to throw a little push he was just like nah he's like get off me but he's just like he just had to let it go he's just like okay i'm just gonna oh yeah he just moved out the way real fast but at the end they throw it back to the three commentators and you just see the middle commentator with the biggest smile on his face trying not to laugh and i just thought that was the funniest thing because he was trying to just like be professional himself, but he was just had the biggest smile. Just like this really just happened right now. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we dealing with this right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, another news in baseball. In case you guys didn't know, Mister Alex Rodriguez himself is planning on retiring. A Rod plans to retire after the 2017 season. In a story by Andrew Marchand on ESPN.com, Mr. A-Rod Mr. Alex Rodriguez enters 2016 with 687 career home runs, 3,070 hits, 2,055 runs batted in. He needs just 28 home runs to pass Babe Ruth for third on the all-time list. He is only 69 away from passing Henry, Hank Aaron for second, and he needs 76 more to overtake Barry Bonds and become the all-time home run king. What Rodriguez said about it has been a lot of fun. It's been very challenging at times, but it has been an incredible learning experience. I would say that the two years that I've probably enjoyed the most were my first when I was 19 and won the batting title with Ken Griffey, Mr. Junior himself, and last year. The contrast of those two at 40 and 18 or 19 is hard to believe. Right in the end quote, Rodriguez will have made $420 million in salary by the end of the 2017 season. The first American professional team athlete to pass the $400 million salary mark. The next closes the NBA's Kevin Garnett at $326 million. That's crazy. I did not know that. Good lord, that's a lot of money. Good lord, that's a lot of money. Uh, First off, props to A-Rod for... <laughs> All this money. Secondly, coming back and still making money. And he did turn his uh, stats around after this past year. He did have a pretty good season. He did really good last year. Secondly, can he pass Barry Bonds in two seasons? Can he get 76? He had 33, I believe, this past season. 33 or 35. We're going to have to check that later. But it's 33 or 35. Do you think he can get 76 in two seasons? Nope. To pass Barry Bonds? Pass Barry Bonds. I don't think he can. I don't think he'll pass Hank. He's gonna I don't be- think he'll pass uh, Hank Aaron. I don't think he'll get 69. He'll pass he Mike Ruth. He's 41 coming into this season, correct? Yeah. I think he's going to deteriorate. I think it's going to be like a Peyton Manning situation where he had that one spurt of greatness. And then it's just going to fall off. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But uh, nobody yeah, I mean, ever is beating Father Time. Nobody beats Father Time. Nobody. You got that right. Nobody beats Father Time. Do you know what he is beating yet? He's beating the dating game. Alex Rodriguez, reportedly dating Google co-founder, co-founder's ex-wife. And I'm going to mess this last name up. Wojkiki. Wojkiki, maybe? Is a billionaire. Works for me. What about that? Now, we were talking about this earlier. A-Rod, no stranger to the ladies. A-Rod, no stranger to some hot ladies. He's he's had some nice but ones. my co-host nice. had his opinion about this lady. He's dated Cameron Diaz. He's dated Kate Hudson. He's dated Tori Wilson. If people don't know who Tori Wilson is, she's a beautiful WWE model, fitness model. Yeah, she bad. She bad. She bad. It comes across that... Physically, he prefers dimes. He prefers blondes. This lady, she's very attractive. Don't get me wrong. I'll give her a seven. 
She's very. She looks like us, like me and you, just like normal. Trying to say she's simple, she's, and you're also trying to say that we're only seven. <laughs> I don't know how you like. I don't know how I like that. This is my show. You are the co-host. Can't just be putting she, me down in front of everybody. <laughs> All the people listening. She looks ain't gonna nice. like that. You just like hey. So she like us. Even, we just let y'all know we some sevens. <laughs> we some sevens. <laughs> we ain't no more. I can speak for myself. Sevens. I can't speak for you. I uh, will say that's right. You speak for your damn yeah, self. I speak for me. I'm a seven. I can't speak for nah, you. Nah, nah, nah. But for real, go back. No, go back to. <laughs> but back to, um, all serious, all serious. All jokes aside, she seems like a nice lady. It just from what he's used to, I just saw him just like, oh, okay. And then I find out that she's a billionaire right now. I'm like, yes, that will turn a seven into a ten, 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 ten. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. All that, day. All those zeros. That sounds about right, too. All day. With all those zeros. Just, all day. Yeah. So, I'm not saying it's the money, but it's probably I mean, the let's, money. Let's go ahead and think about this. A-Rod has made $420 million by the end of the 2000 season. 17 season. It's probably not about the money, but hey. That's good it's, he's getting it's older. Not. It's, he's getting older, and it's probably time to settle down. Hey, girl. I done made 420 and that's without my endorsements and stuff. And you got a billion, so we got a lot of money. We got a lot. We got a lot of money. A lot. That's a whole lot of money. A whole, 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 whole lot of money, man. They probably have great chemistry. They probably just work well they together. They probably do. They're they probably, probably just sweethearts to one another. They who, probably do. Who am I to hate? I know, right? Hey, but right, right now, we're going to take a quick break. We're coming back. Third fourth fifth segment we're coming back and we're going some nba talk got some talk about anthony davis we're gonna talk about lebron james the twitter king what the <laughs> hell has that dude done now lebron james quit being passive fucking aggressive stop being passive aggressive i'm sorry i had to f-bomb i got to i'm so tired of lebron james passive aggressive but this is the theory of chance podcast brought to you by everybody Love everybody is a fan.com. I forgot my own website for a second. Please go check it out. Everybody is a fan.com. This is the Theory of Chance Podcast, episode three. We'll be right back. Once again, Tip. <laughs> Watch me bust they shit. And what's up? We are back. This is Theory of Chance Podcast. That was Fife Dog, Tribe Call Quest. That's a five foot assassin. That's a tribute, actually, that uh, I got off YouTube today. Mac Miller tribute to Fife Dog, R.I.P. Trap Call Quest. Always some good hip hop. We love some good hip hop. I miss good hip hop. And everybody's going to miss Fife Dog. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Let's go ahead and get back to the business of the sports business. And we are talking about, man, the Spurs beat up on Golden State, just like we talked about. I think we both called it, right? I actually did not. I will give yeah, you credit. I you was. Not. You were very optimistic. I was on being that. that bandwagon fan, being stubborn. Yeah, you were. And I actually, I, I, I just believe that they, that home court was just. I'm not saying that it means much to Popovich and his team, but it means a lot to the players. It helps to win at home and stay undefeated, and it does help. Spurs won 87 to 79. Key takeaways from that game. 
was pretty much the defense that the Spurs played on Stephen Curry the entire game. And it was especially some some defense right up in your crotch by Danny Green. Mr. Danny Green has been struggling shooting the ball, but he was struggling. He was not struggling when he was guarding Steph Curry. What was Steph's stats for the game, man? It was pretty sick, right? It was nasty. It was not good. It I don't was mean, not good. I don't mean good nasty. He was 4 from 18 from the field, but that stat really doesn't matter. It matters what he does with three-pointers because that's his game. He loves to shoot three-pointers. He was 1 for 12. Only one three-pointer, and he got blocked the first time this season. Yeah, he hadn't got blocked on a three-point attempt the entire season. Uh, and it was actually funny what Popovich did. He actually favored a smaller lineup instead of his normal lineup, and he sat Tim Duncan and had him on the bench. I think that was the first time he came off the bench. It was like he was a rookie or something. It was the third time in his whole entire career. Third time in his whole entire career that he came off the bench. And then he like only played eight minutes this entire game or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, Boris Diaw started the game off. I think he hit his first three shots. He started at center instead. A little chunky down there. A little, little wide. A little. A little, 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 little rolly wide. Six eight. But hey, he did the business. I mean, what do you think? Who is this? What do you buy that it's a bigger win, bigger takeaway for the Spurs, or something to think about with the Warriors going forward and potentially a matchup in the Western Conference Finals with? the Spurs does this should the Warriors be kind of worried or is this all about who's going to get home home court advantage and whoever gets home court is going to win the series I feel like they've got two more games left but they're both going to be on Golden State's floor and San Antonio's floor I feel like this game was more about San Antonio winning more so than it was Golden State losing it feels like the first game it was 120 to 90 and the Warriors just dominated dominated the Spurs but this game before the game happened Popovich came out and so Greg Popovich before the game happened this is like probably like a month before and I said this on the last podcast he said this was the hardest he ever had to figure out another team how to beat them and he did all he did was focus on the three-point line you live by the three you die by the three my Orlando team I'm an Orlando Magic fan back in 09 we went to the finals that's how we won and for the Warriors that's what Jameer Nelson was doing to him and him Nelson Turk glue got a uh, Dwight but uh yeah, the last two seasons, the three-point line, the Warriors' weapon. Not really defense, but just that fast-paced offense just trying to shoot three-pointers. And Greg Popovich, he figured it out. Like you said, he brought in a smaller lineup, and he guarded that three-pointer. Danny Green, Leonard, they stayed on Curry. He's like, no, you're not going to shoot. And if you're not going to shoot, you better let your other players figure out how they're going to win this game. Yeah, and key, key takeaway, too, I know a lot of people are talking about uh, – the fact that Oscar Robinson, when he was making those remarks, but that is what Popovich and the Spurs, they picked that man up from full court. And not necessarily were they trying to pick him up and keep him from scoring from 30, 35 feet. Can he hit from there? Yes, he can. But they wanted to pick him up and just pretty much alter his like flow. Left, push him right. Keep him out of getting you know into a rhythm to where he's moving around with ease and getting around screens and just mm-hmm. like toasting you with his speed and with his ball handling. And they and if and if he comes off a screen, switch. Make sure they had key switches, and then if they had to double, they double. And it was just basically that they did what they had to do, like you said. And that's another thing too. This time it's Popovich turn around his lineup for uh, giving his players rest, and also he does that in order to make a team play him. 
But you're right. This is the first team because he has to. They're so dominant that he has to devise game plans to play them. He has to play according to. They're doing the Popoviching to him, if you want to put it that way. Hey, shouts out to the Spurs. Knew you had it in you. Shout out to San Antonio. Doing it, doing it, doing it. Uh, if I can be that bandwagon fan, all I'm going to say is Andre Iguodala and Andrew Bogut did not play in that game. And they played in the last one. They won about 30 points. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. They yeah, will be back. Yeah. They will be back. I mean, like, come on. I mean, I know Iguodala was the finals MVP, but does he? I mean, he plays good defense. But they only lost by eight. Whatever. <laughs> like I said, bandwagon fan. That's just a bandwagon fan. Just want warrior to see, rider. I just, just want to rider. see history. Warriors come see out history. All right, switching it up. The man, the myth, Mr. Russell Westbrook is still doing it and doing it well. That dude is beasting right now. Have you seen what Westbrook has been doing, man? Have Off and on. I've seen bits and pieces. I mean, Russell Westbrook. His stats are off the charts. Show though. continues. Beat beat Houston last night. Fifteenth triple double of the season. It was his third straight six and nine games. I want to say it's his sixth his sixth triple double in March. He is two away from the NBA record in the regular season, and he's continuing dominance. How does Westbrook continue continue to be overlooked? Best player in the NBA. The Thunder are fifteen and zero when Westbrook posts a triple double. They are, but they keep losing key games to the Spurs and Warriors. They're in the third seed. They just can't but get past that hump. Are we discrediting Westbrook in a way? I mean, I think that he, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say it. And a lot of people think I'm crazy. I think he's the best player in the NBA. I really do. All around, he's the best player. He does play hard defense. He's so quick. Uh, the way he can attack the basket, uh, his, he can elevate, he can rebound. Obviously, he can pass. He's one of the top, I want to say, three players in assists per game. And the fact that what he does, we're not, we're no longer saying, hey, he needs to give it, give it up and delegate to Kevin Durant more. He needs to be giving Kevin Durant his shot. No, it's almost Russell Westbrook's team. Is that good? And if the the GMs, he's got Deion Waiters that he came around in the last game, 21 points against Houston. But if he steps up, Stephen Adams. Serge Ibaka, they can get some key pieces. And I mean key pieces like people that can come in and just like shoot very nice. They can do things like that and put some pieces around Westbrook and Durant. They can dominate just like the Warriors are doing. That dude is cold. He's cold. They're going to have to figure out soon because all the talk about Durant's contract and what he's going to do Westbrook's, after. And Westbrook's contract too. There's They're both he may up go next to, year. Yeah, yeah, he may go to Los Angeles. They need to figure it out. All the rumors about Durant going to Golden everywhere. State. New York, Golden State, yeah. Washington, has been going back home. I'll give you credit, though, and I will say Westbrook. <coughs> I will say he's the best player in the Thunder this year. This year. Normally it's Durant, but this year it's Westbrook's team. It's definitely Westbrook's team. Definitely. And that dude has... And Durant's playing great. All, all I want you to do, listeners, uh, we first want you to go by everybody'sfan.com because what do you want to support? Someone do you want it now? But go look up some Russell Westbrook gifts. G-I-F-S. Go look up his gifts. Those dudes' gifts are like gifts, gifs, however you want to say it. They're amazing. He has side-eye crazy. He has some of the best sound bites for reporters. The guy just is really funny, all-around guy. And he's doing... A damn good job in the NBA, and it's getting overlooked because he doesn't really have the talent around him. And they're 15 games behind Golden State, and just because Golden State and San Antonio might win 70 games, but it's tough. That's how it is. All I want to say is gifts. It's gifts. Whatever it is, gifts, gifts. <laughs> you had it right the first time. Yeah. Gifts. Whoever says gifts, you can't spell. Gifts. Not a J. Not Jiffit. Gifts. Not graphics. It's <laughs> graphics. Okay, That's true. That's true. It's just a nerd rant. Anthony Davis shut down this week by the New Orleans Pelicans. After injuries continue to plague Davis, he is shut down by the team. Torn labrum 
and also issues with the knee. Ooh, going forward, there's some contract incentives he might lose by not making the All-NBA. If uh, he doesn't make the All-NBA first team, second team, or third team, what are the figures that he will actually lose? Uh, I think it's uh, somewhere around $125 million if he were to make either of those teams. But... My co-host is actually looking for I have to look it up. Yeah, looking at those quick figures real quick. But, yeah, I mean, got to feel bad for Davis. Playing on a team in New Orleans where he's put given his all. I mean, they said he was playing with a torn labrum maybe most of the season. The dude scored 60 at one point. Uh, he's continued to, you know, him and Alvin Gentry expected a really big season. And he's continued to, um, you know, showcase his, uh, his talents through the NBA as a young talent. And he can be, he's obviously the leader of the team. And here it is. Uh, if he doesn't make the All-NBA team first, second, or third, is voted on by qualifying media members, he will make a little more than $120 million. Starting at 25% of the cap, a difference of around $25 million. $125 million is a lot of money, but there's nothing you can do about it. You just got to go out there and play and see how it pans out. He made All-NBA first said. team last year. And he said it's this a lot of money. Great. He said a lot of damn money is what Davis said, end quote. But, uh, yeah, man, he'd make 125 if he does. So he would make one. He would make 145 <laughs> If he is a, yeah, one forty five instead of one twenty five. So ain't that bad, but twenty million is twenty million. You know what I'm saying? Uh how would you feel? This is obviously advantageous for the franchise, but I don't think there's they would want this to happen. They obviously don't want their star to go down. They'd rather him be playing and possibly be in a playoff hunt, even though they're nowhere near it because they don't have the pieces they've had players injured most of the year. But what do you think about it? They I just don't understand. Should they still pay him? I mean, like, do you think he still has the chance to make the first, second, or third team? I think he can still make the third team. I was about to say, I feel at like he can the make the third, third team. team. Blake Griffin's not playing right now, hasn't mm-hmm. played in a while. He's somebody at the position. Got Al Jefferson. Uh, uh, Isaiah Thomas should make second team, but that's just me. Um, well, we were talking about the West. So, West power forwards is who you'd be looking at. And Zach Randolph, I'm not, he's not really doing that much. So, yeah, I, mean, I think at least probably make the third team still. Marcus Aldridge is going to make it. He still looked great this season. Draymond Green is going to make it, probably. Oh, easily. Easily. Because he's an MVP selection. That's neither here nor there right now. I feel like he should make the third team. He'll still make his $24 million by getting it. Shutting it down for the season, they just, they're just they not over 500, And so they're not going to make it to playoffs this season. So it's smart if he's hurt. Just go ahead and shut down for the season. Rest up. See what happens next year. This is the coach. Maurice Cheeks yeah. left uh, Golden State. Uh-huh. I don't understand why they're not winning this year when they did so well last year. Are you talking about year. the Pelicans? Yeah, with the Pelicans. No, the Pelicans coach is uh, Alvin Gentry. Alvin Gentry? Yeah. But he, uh, he was he with the Warriors. He was with the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah okay. Alvin Gentry. Alvin Gentry's their coach. So, I don't know how it fell apart for I, them this year. They Tyreek Evans was hurt. They got a lot of players hurt. And the management needs to definitely give him, put some people around him. I mean, he can only do so much. The guy put up 60. I mean, he's definitely your franchise player. And you've obviously, obviously paid him that way. But you got to put some people around him so he doesn't run his body into the dirt, even though he is young. He's only like 23, but still, you got to do something. This happens a lot of times with NFL teams. Once it's like over the season when they're like 4 and 10 or 6 and 7, it's just like it's no point. Go ahead and shut it down. Oh, yeah, they do it a lot. Try to save it for next year. Yeah, you're right about that. But yeah, I mean, I think he definitely should save it. I'm not saying anything like that. I don't think he should be playing, but he probably, the way he's played this season, they're not He's probably going to get that third. That 60 points should have helped out quite a bit. But you know, in other news, a team lot not a lot of people are talking about, but they are talking about them now. They're sixteen and five over the last twenty or last twenty one games. The Charlotte Hornets beat the Spurs, and this shows you how some teams are doing it 
the rebuilding way, and they're not going out and signing the big stars and spending all their money, but they're drafting players, getting them in free agency as well for the cheap. Jeremy Lin, Kimball Walker, Al Jefferson uh, years ago. What do you think about the Hornets, man? Is it a bigger story for the Hornets being the Spurs or Spurs losing to the Hornets? Or people just sleeping on the Hornets, and they should be watching them more closely. Michael Jordan finally has assembled a team, and we can't make any jokes about it anymore, about him beating his players in practice. <laughs> I think for the Spurs, it's just another game. Same thing when the Warriors lost to the Lakers or the Pistons. For the Hornets, they over that span of the 21 games you mentioned, they were the best team in the Eastern Conference. They beat the Clippers. They beat the Thunder. They beat the Spurs over that span. That's pretty good. Oh, definitely pretty that good. Is, that's even better than good. That's, that's giving some confidence for the playoffs. Because you're going to have to go through Toronto and Cleveland. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think just a lot of people have just been sleeping on the uh, the Hornets. And the fact is that they're like, hey, we're here. And we're ready to play. And the playoffs about to start. And all we're doing is just keep you moving see what up. We're doing. You better focus on us. You better focus. We got Kimba. We made that move in the draft. Got Kimba. Kimba's doing it. And, you know, like, dudes is, dudes is sleeping on them. They're saying we're here. They're we're legit. Here and we're ready to play. But now, other news. I'm really... Really, really hate to talk about it. Really, really hate to talk about it. But we talked about it earlier. LeBron James is being passive aggressive about it. LeBron James. <laughs> Unflaw- he unfollowed the Cavs Twitter. What does that say? Is it, should the Cavs and the fan base be worried that James unfollowed the Twitter? He said he claimed it to be some type of was it zero dark thirty type zero dark twenty three thing he talked about of like. He's blocking out all social media and he's all, trying to focus on the season. Trying to focus on the season and is pushing to the playoffs and the playoffs only. Can't you just turn off your damn phone? Pretty much. Or just turn off X, you know, delete the app on your phone. Don't get on Twitter. Just don't get on Twitter. This is a man who just two weeks ago was on Instagram playing some Kendrick Lamar, getting fired up in the locker room. It's like happy go lucky. And now he's gonna take himself off Twitter? Or take him or the Cavs off Twitter. I don't. I don't understand it. it. I agree with you. It's very passive aggressive. It's trying to send a message, and that's what he's doing. Trying to tell him that he'll leave again. Can he leave again though? If he leaves <sighs> again, somebody's gonna kill that man. No. I hate. I mean. I mean. I hate to make a joke like that. Let's be honest. He's the one that got David Blatt fired. They were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference at the time. They didn't lose that many games. They just lost badly to the Warriors, and something happened. And it's not even like we're going to find another coach. It's like immediately we're going to make Tyrone Lou the coach. So LeBron has a lot of power, and he can do whatever he wants. He has an opt-out this year. It's just bad timing unless he's just trying to crack the whip, as Michael Wilbon said, just trying to crack the whip on his team. Just like, hey, I'm trying to do this, trying to do that. Let's focus on winning. Let's try to get it together. I don't. I don't. I, th- I, I personally don't understand what he's doing. I think it's a combination of trying to crack the whip, and I also think it's a combination of hey, I'm LeBron. Look at me. You guys talking too much about Steph Curry. You talking too much about the Spurs. I want to let you know I'm still here. You got to focus back on my on my team, the Heat. You need to be. Fo- I mean, excuse me, the Heat. That's where he wants to go. <laughs> I was just Probably, thinking. I was yeah. just thinking about that. Will he go back to the Heat? Because he's been hanging around with D Wade too. We'll get to those comments. Something else that LeBron said recently. But yeah, like I just think it's just more nonsense for Cavs PR and front office staff to have to worry about to have to be sitting with their excuse my language, but their butts tight for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. for the off season, and just for, it's just another power move by LeBron James saying, "I got the power. You walk the tight line." Don't get too comfortable because I might leave. It's uh, Brett Farvish in a way. 
It's just like it's diva. Whoa. Where? Well, what you talking about, Willis? I I know who you're a fan of. What you talking about, Willis? But let's be honest. Everything led up to the Jets. Don't you him be going to the about, Jets? Don't you talk about Brett Favre? I love Brett Favre too. We ain't talking about Brett today. <laughs> we ain't talking about Brett today, nah. So we'll cut that out. We'll just no, say no, no, it's I know diva-ish. It's a, it's a diva it's, moment. Like you said, it's just trying to get attention on me because everybody's talking about these two teams. They're not focused on Cleveland. They're actually focused on the Celtics, the Raptors. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets. It's just like, hey, we're the number one seed in the East. Let's focus on me again. I don't know. It just, I didn't understand it. I don't see the point of it. I didn't understand that, and I didn't understand this at all. In a story in Bleach Report, LeBron James said, and I quote, I really hope that before our career is over, we can all play together. At least one, maybe one or two seasons. Me, Mello, D-Wade, CP. We can get a year in. I would actually take a pay cut to do that. End quote. What the hell is this shit about? This is another stupid ass, it's... in my opinion, more stupid shit. <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, you're going to take a pay cut. Who wouldn't take a pay cut to play with Melo, D-Wade, and CP? I know there's a lot of people. Kobe probably would have took a pay cut to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lazoo Dirk probably take a pay cut to do that. Right now, yeah. Ray Allen. I mean, you got players in the Paul Pierce. You got Chris Paul probably take a pay cut to do that. <laughs> I mean, who's not D Rose, Jimmy, Jimmy Buckets? I mean, who's not taking a pay cut to do this? I think this is asinine statement and just trying to call some more. Talk about me. Exactly. LeBron knows what he's doing. He's smart. He's funny. He's intelligent. He's even a great actor. I just watched Trainwreck tonight, so I'm on there. Funny dude. He knows what he's doing. By saying those statements, he knows people are going to be talking. And it goes back to what I said. It's kind of diva-ish. It's definitely diva Where it's just like... I mean, I'll give him credit. It's being honest. It's just like he's a fan of the sport. He doesn't have any real rivals. He just wants to play with his friends. He's He works out with D-Wade. I don't know. It just... His team is number one in the East, but nobody's treating them like they're number one in the East. And I feel like it's a power play to just focus attention back on him in Cleveland. Yeah, man, whatever. I don't know, man. We're going to stop talking about LeBron right uh, now, though. Other news, Nick Young, Mr. Swaggy P himself. Jordan Clarkson, apparently riding around the Jeep, riding around they getting it. Accused of sexual harassment at a traffic light by women's rights activist Alexis Jones. Wrong person to say something to. Wrong, Wrong person, person to say something to. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. We're not condoning this. It was wrong to say anytime. Be just catcalling, making obscene gestures. Women don't like it. The alleged incident occurred on Sunday evening when Jones... And her mother was stopped in an intersection. A oh, Jeep that there? had four men in it. Her 68-year-old mother, by the way. Ooh. Ooh. Jeep that had four men in it, including Clarkson and Young, pulled up next to Jones's car and made vulgar sexual gestures toward her mother. Her homes. <laughs> she even tweeted out images she took of the two players and told the NBA this has to stop. Uh, the Lakers did make a comment on this. Quote, Lakers team spokesman, Mr. Heavy Hitter PR man John Black, always busy. We've looked into the situation and spoken to Alexis Jones as well as to Nick Young and Jordan Clarkson. Based on these conversations, our conclusion that these are different, that there are different interpretations of what happened. 
We support Nick and Jordan and believe what they told us about the incidents and their actions. We also are supportive of Alexis and her feelings about what happened, about women's rights, and of the fine work Alexis is doing for her organization. I had several conversations with Alexis and her publicist and tried to arrange a meeting between her, Nick, and Jordan. Unfortunately, Alexis' schedule didn't allow for this to happen yesterday. We'll also continue to stay in touch with her about the possibility of addressing our team about the important issues with she's involved in, quote, the organization that Alexis Jones actually works for. Uh, she's an author and co-founder of the nonprofit I Am That Girl, which aims to empower women. She's an activist who attempts to stop sexual harassment and domestic violence and has traveled around the country speaking on the topic. Well, how are you feeling about this, man? Should we overreact about it or should we take the Lakers approach and different interpretations? We don't know what happened. We've all been there. We've probably made some cat calls ourselves. Do you think it was that? Or is there more to it? Is this an epidemic that needs to be looked at closer? And what can you what can really be done about this? And not really much can be done about it as a broad topic. I'll be honest, in my twenties I might have cat called women before. I know that it's not good to do. It's disrespectful. Yeah, we it's actually rude. have a friend that was talking about that. She hates it. Uh, shout out to E Money, our homie uh, back up in Philly. Uh, she what actually up, hates what that. What up, E? She does hate it. She hates that. I remember she was she going on a tangent. She experienced it recently. Yeah, she experienced it really recently. Uh, but yeah, a lot of women, yeah, I understand. I understand uh, I guess guys, it's hard for understanding because, I mean, if a lot of women are really... They don't yeah, know any do better. Not yelling at us, we would like yeah. it. We like the attention and such, so we can't. No, we obviously can't be in your shoes. We're not going to say that. But. True, true. But um, I feel like, I mean, there's no video of it. I don't. I didn't see what happened. I wasn't there, so I can't just, like, bash Nick Young because, like you said, there are different interpretations with the story. But if he did it, let's just say he did do it. He him was in the wrong. Clarkson. Yeah, him and Jordan he Clarkson. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson, yeah. They were in the wrong. They had a sweet 68-year-old mother in the car. She shouldn't have to experience anything like that. She shouldn't have to see anything like that. And the fact that they did it to an activist for women's rights, that was just... Not so that she do it at all. It's just so bad timing. kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time is what you're saying. Yes. Pretty much. This pretty is just, much is what he's saying. He's not really feeling bad for the women's just, just. He's actually just saying that they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. No, if not was, them. I'm saying yeah. Nick Young and Jordan Clarkson <laughs> for making just bad decisions and being disrespectful to people. <laughs> I'm just twisting your arms around. That's what we do here. Putting a spin on Putting it. Putting a spin on you. Alright, now we're going to switch to the NFL. And I know this is a touchy subject. We're not going to stay on it too long. But Mr. Ron <laughs> Rivera himself came out sticking up for his quarterback, Mr. Cam Newton, and his actions after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Cam sitting in that chair, hood on his head, looking like he's about to cry. He's going to cry in the car, as they say in Friday. He's going to cry in the car. Now we ain't gonna stay on too long because my comrade. I'm not even gonna laugh at this. My co-host next to me. He's a Panthers fan. He's also a Giants fan. America viewers, listen, listeners, not viewers, but listeners. So don't. I, don't, I got don't, two teams. I admit it. Don't feel too bad for him. But <laughs> do you agree with Coach Ron Rivera about that the media should not be able to talk to players so about one to two days after, and that it should just be only coaches if for the losing team to speak after Super Bowl? In a second, we'll talk about the Panthers and Giants because it'll make sense in a second. But when it comes to Ron Rivera and what he said, I don't think that they shouldn't talk after the Super Bowl. I agree that they should at least hold themselves accountable for what they should do or what they say. They shouldn't be in the exact same room hearing other Denver players of like their joy and their excitement. 
that's what hurt Cam Newton. He heard Chris Harris talk about how the defense was stopping him and his other players. He was hurt. I know I was hurt, and I'm just a fan. I don't even play for the team. Nobody pays me. They don't give me any money in my pocket. But the fact is, once the game is over, you have to deal with questions, have to sit in front of the media, you have bright lights in front of your face. He wasn't feeling it. He's young. I'm not saying he's young. I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing. He's like LeBron. He's smart. But he was hurt by what happened. He should have reacted a certain way, but he didn't. He admitted it two days later that he was a sore loser. And I respect that. The fact is, they probably shouldn't have had him in the same room as Denver players. If they wanted to interview him, he should have had his own box and just say what he wanted to. I agree with Ron Rivera that it's hard on kids having to deal with that because that's the biggest loss of their career ever. I don't care what it is. But Super Bowl, if you lose that, it's soul-crushing because now you have to wait for another eight months to get back on the field. It's hard on them. So I agree with what Ron Rivera is saying that they shouldn't do it. But at the same time, you have to man up. You have to be an adult. You're paying all this money. Everybody wants to hear what you're saying. So I feel like they should say something after the Super Bowl loss. The only difference is I'm just saying keep them away from the opposing team that just won. First of all, Mr. Ron Vera, we're going to go ahead and close the door on this nonsense because it's just silly. I really don't understand where he really gets off on this. Dropping a bomb on that because this is asinine. And then I'm going to tell you why it's asinine. Watch well, just silly comments from Ron Rivera. I understand he's sticking up for his, for his quarterback. That's his player. He's going to stick up for Cam. He has no choice but to. I understand Cam is young. I also understand there's a lot of heartbreak with losing that Super Bowl in the season that they had and that heartbreak, you know, in, ending the game like that. But here's what I don't understand. And well, this, this is what I do know. And this is what America should know. And this is what you should know as well. The reason why this is bullshit, excuse my French, why it's bullshit, is because... If Ron, uh, you know, Peyton on the other end, not wanting to talk to somebody, no, he's probably saying, no, you got it. He's only saying this because he lost. Just, I mean, and, uh, you know, that's, that's catch, you know, the catch of it, but still, because that's what the fans want to see, the reactions, and we want to see that. And then, if you just got to cut nothing, and you can't even, say if you're a beat reporter, you don't even have a story to go back and write about. You couldn't even check up there, and he's not talking to anybody. Like, it's just, the media doesn't win. I feel like I agree. I feel like, I admit, I'm super biased, because that is my team, but I feel like, Kim Newton, they he just had nothing to talk about coming up to the Super Bowl, so they focused on his dancing, and that looked bad. Held himself better. He should have stayed in there. Yeah, I but think he'll. I think he'll learn, and he'll be fine going forward. He'll be like, his quarterback, and he just didn't like the way the media portrayed him after the fact, and he just had so, all that showboating during the season. You got to be ready for it at the end when you're gonna get all the criticism. It's like what they say online, and the way he did, and so the media reacted the way they wanted to. Exactly. Yeah, they every exactly. right. What happened at the owners' meeting? We got a new rule. Leave two. Not one, but two unsportsmanlike conduct personal fouls in a game. He'll be to the 25-yard line. So obviously with touchbacks, we know that an uphill or on the kickoff, and boom, get a lot of, see a lot of people paralyzed or worse sometimes, ending careers. Putting it at 25, now you have to make the strategy like, well, don't you run that? Yeah, yeah they might not it. get it. They might get like exactly. 21, exactly. 22. So you might as well take, you might as well. Sometimes they're going to pull it out there, and we're going to get these. Patrick you know, Peterson. You know, we get these one under nine-yard returns. Beckham, your boy, off the Giants. That was my segue, yeah. Was, are they overreacting because of... Like, this is the only reason why this is brought up, because I rewatched the game, and that game was fun to watch. Like, Panthers are dominating, kept hitting them. And I got old, didn't I? Yeah, it just, like, the referees didn't call anything. They called the refs. Up. It blew up. The refs, but the thing is, a lot of people, the, the opposition to the... For, you know, is a judgment factor. Mm-hmm. So why not doing that? Now you're going to have people like trying to force them in like conducts. It's going to be advantageous for the other team. Maybe what if you send a scrub out off Odell? Go piss him off so he gets two. 
That dude ejected. That, this is what I think about it when you say you're doing this. And just to let people know what you say about it. This is a stat I heard Pablo Torre talk about today on Around the Horn. 801 games of change. Only two out of 801 games. I did not know that. I feel like they shouldn't have a reaction. Go back to your point and just like somebody getting in his face and just trying to like irk it on. I can see somebody like James Harrison doing that. Just keep trying to like go after somebody and they have to, they're gonna, it's NFL's an emotional game. They're gonna have to learn now to hold back their emotion and try not to get these penalties. But hopefully, like you said, only twice is this happening 800 games and so. 801 games in the last three years, only two ejections would have happened if this rule changed. To the same player. Yeah, so they got two fouls. Yeah, only two people got two fouls in the same game. Exactly. So this is definitely a byproduct of overreaction of the NFL, as they kind of always do. Another overreaction, possibly. Sean Payton, five-year extension from the New Orleans Saints. This dude had two back-to-back seven nine seasons. They're gonna fire him. I thought. And I he, really thought they were about to. And he they got didn't. A, no, he got a five-year yeah, extension. Got and basically, his success comes off of Drew Brees, and they're still holding on to the post-Katrina Super Bowl win. Is how it, they built up the city, the 2009. His agent probably works for Next Level Sports. Was that 09? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, Brandon throwing shade, Sean Payton throwing shade at Sean Payton, and you probably got a corrupted agent down there in New Orleans. Him and Drew Brees, they got the same. Agents, but yeah, I'm gonna say I think a five year extension is a little bit too long for him. Seven nine seasons, I believe, in back to back seasons, right? Seven and nine, correct. Uh, it's, it's the whole what have you done for me lately conversation. I know you picked up the city, and it's like that if you uh, ever watched the uh, show The Game on BT, uh, Jason, uh, Jason brought a, he brought a championship to the city, holding on to that for years. You know, brought the city a champion. I mean, it's like that. Like it's That's what they're holding on to. And can Sean Payton beat like This five-year contract is going to happen soon, though. So it seems like they may be both retired at the same time. Here's uh, even though Peyton didn't go out with Dungey went out though, but still, uh, and Ox have all made the playoffs. Well, the Rams made the playoffs, uh, both some rookie of the years in the back-to-back seasons. Bulls and Seahawks. If Definitely. They, they're going to have to worry about other wild card spots because I don't think the Rams will get the NFC West championship, but they, hey, their team, a team's coming back to LA. It's going to be exciting. I know I'm going to watch. Uh, it, it'll be very interesting to see the process moving over to a different city because this is very rare. In Florida, Jerry Jones has some Dumb shit to say. PE and playing football. Jones offered some detailed clarification of his position on the subject. Per any way creates a knowledge. There's no way that you could have made a comment that there is an associated case. We all know how medicine is. Medicine is evolving. I grew up being told that it changed over the years as we've had more research and knowledge. In quote. Comments per tar- Todd Archer of ESPN.com. All I said was that, quote, all I said something we just started the last several years. We've been looking at ways to improve the safety, looking for ways to direction in the NFL, and the answer to that is no. Hmm. Flash. Like, yeah, tone, part of the issue, apparently, uh, part of the issue, obviously, is CTE can only be found in consistencies determining whether, you know, aid them under the terms of the ongoing concussion settlement. So what do you think about this? Obviously, Jerry Jones, you ain't fooling nobody. You're protecting the shield and your brand. Pretty much. Why I'm, is it so, why would it be so difficult to think that each other with these pads on full force, banging your head, like a, I mean, box? not expect for something to go wrong in the brain when your brain's jostling around. It's about one of the all-time greats of the Cowboys, Tony Dorsett. He's come out. The no, symptoms. They don't know yeah. until after you die. But yeah, the symptoms. The yeah. symptoms. How he's changed and everything. Yeah, because the way he reacts to his family and how he forgets certain things. We have players retiring now because they fear it. They've come out and said it. The NFL said, 
we recognize that concussions can cause brain injury. It's like, okay. I don't come out and say, oh, there's no correlation with CTE versus football. And we all we obviously know passed on that have been linked to CTE. So, I mean, like... Junior Seau. Junior Sid. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, so I just don't... Sad. I just don't know what... I mean, Jerry Jones, he's just protecting the shield. And it's obviously... You know, it's 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 him negative light. Like, because come on, it's easy for him to say that, you know, hey, uh, freaking uh, nobody has CTE and this claim cannot be... You know, he didn't say that exactly, but, you know, that's pretty much kind of what he is saying. It's easy for him saying that when he's through all these um, problems that these former players have, man. You got Ken Stabler, former uh, quarterback for the Raiders. And he, like you said, he came out and said we're trying to prevent injury. We want to prevent this. Data for it, that just came, seems kind of short-sighted and didn't seem like the right thing to say. Chiefs linebacker Javon Belcher mm-hmm. killed his girlfriend and himself. You know, he was sitting in the Chiefs. park. Uh, Cousin to um, Jamal Charles's wife. Players come out and, like you say, the whole CD is a touchy is a touchy subject. But at the, I just think that Jerry Jones kind of dismissed it. Like, you know, we ain't gonna be talking about the brand like that. So let's not get on it. But hey, just me. But it's almost time to close out the last segment, the newly installed segment. For the theory of what's burning Brandon segment, we're gonna kinda end our, you know, like, <laughs> we're gonna have to, like, you know, Mr. What's Burning Brandon, on the East Coast here now. We started on Hump Day, Wednesday night. What's burning Brandon? Alright, in my life, not a lot of things really irritate me. Certain things. Yesterday, something got to me. My favorite book is probably 1984 by George Orwell. It's about Big Brother. It's about people coming out and they control certain things. You hear what you listen to, what you do. Nobody wants to live that society whatsoever. Certain things over the last couple of decades have made it getting closer and closer with the power system. Yesterday, Twitter banned a hashtag called StopIsm. That, I completely understand. And the thoughts and prayers for from both of us go out to the people out in Brussels, Germany. Yeah. Spreading hate, that doesn't help anybody. But Twitter, like that hashtag, I understand why they banned that. They've also banned hashtags called Witch Hillary, which was a hilarious meme about Hillary Clinton. They would picture Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. And like examples like, Bernie Sanders, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? And you'll say like Empire Strikes Back. In the last, like, Hillary, which Hillary, like, oh, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? It'll be like The Phantom Menace. Like, I think Jar Jar Binks was my favorite character. Just trying to be silly, like, she's going to pick something that obviously nobody likes, but she does. They ban that. They also ban words that don't describe Hillary, which is based off her past actions that are on the record. This is politics. It happens, and it's happened to Ted Cruz, it's happened to Donald Trump, it's happened to Bernie Sanders, it's happened to Ricky Rubio. Why hashtags based on her, why are they getting banned? That's not what Twitter's about, it's not what the internet's about. It annoys me. I don't like it. It's censorship. My man Skinny is mad. I don't like like to call him Skinny for y'all. feel right. It's like, we join your website, 
the people should have a voice on based on politics nobody say anything bad about Hillary it's just funny stuff we also had yesterday with the tax in Germany to have certain content on the front page AP mobile geez, that happened over there I wake up at 1030 about to get ready to go for work it's to say that's this, what I, this guy loves Reddit. I love Reddit. Anytime he tells me anything, I always ask. And it's just like people can update like live feed, just like hearing what they hear on the police stations, like the scanners, and they can update other people so they know what's going on. So when I get off work at 3:30, what do I see on the front page of Reddit? Rob Ford. I see that. I'm looking for Brussels because that's what I want to hear about. Because and by the way. Facebook. I didn't see any Brussels profile change your picture. I'm talking about Brussels, but go ahead. They didn't. This do is it. burning. Them. This is burning. This my is man. burning. And so on TV, it's just it feels like Rupert Murdoch. They control everything when it comes to edit to find out what I want to listen to. I feel like I should have every right to read whatever odds on r slash news and r slash world news want to take everything post or New York Times. To me, I feel like Reddit has always been based censored. I feel like it's not ours anymore. I do not like it when you censor our money. It's information and we're the people. We drive the content. This doesn't happen as much anymore. But Big Brother, it's 2016. You got the FBI trying to get in the freaking office. Hey, hey, how about we talk about that on Friday? We'll talk about that on Friday. Maybe we'll touch on that. Like that. That's what's been burning my man Brandon. If you want to find Brandon, you can find follow my story on Snapchat. It is B Chase Lacy L A C Y. And as always, check out every what do you want? Sports. When do you want it? So if you if you want to go over to WTKSports.com, some good sports content there. Three points show guys. You can check out seven to eight sometimes if you want on tune in app. 90 percent of business. Go ahead and this uh, Snapchat. You can follow me on Snapchat at your only chance. A N C and then the number three. That's your only chance. By the way, at the Chance Collins. This has been another edition. In your lane, candidate. I want to quickly talk about Mr. Raymond Moore. You should have stayed in your lane. It's Monday night. Moore's resignation came one day after he stupidly said, "Women play." Jackass. Yeah, jackass. His re- his remarks drew widespread outrage. He said in the WTA because they ride on the coattails of the man. Moore said Sunday before Serena Williams. They don't make any decisions and they are lucky. They are very, very lucky. If I was a lady player, I'd go down every night. On- they really have. End quote. You dumbass. Should have stayed in your damn. <laughs> Mr. Raymond Moore. You had to go. And that was all. So we'll be talking about what happened in the Sweet 16. Breaking down is crazy. He's crazy. We just found out what he was trying to get for crazy. That's why he was fired. We will also continue to talk about the NBA and the playoff this MLB season. And this has been another edition of Theory Chance Podcast. Peace.